Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. A new international crisis has erupted for the U.S. with implications that could impact us here at home. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden met by video conference with Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Biden warned of consequences should Russia act on recent aggressive military deployments and invade its neighbor, Ukraine. Both countries have been in a state of de facto war since Russia invaded and occupied Ukraine's eastern provinces in 2014. Someone in the know on that crisis and other big news from Capitol Hill is Congressman Mike Quigley. He serves Illinois' 5th District. He also co-chairs the Congressional Ukraine Caucus and also sits on the House Intelligence Committee. And he believes the high stakes create a myriad of reasons why you should care about this crisis. I guess what I'll do is I'll start with the importance of Ukraine and supporting Ukraine. Obviously, it's an independent democratic nation literally on Putin's doorstep, uh, but it has been involved in military conflict with Russia for the better part of seven years since Russia's invasion of Crimea, the battles in the east, the the bulwark against Putin's aggression and the rest of Europe. But I I think what hasn't been touched on much that's important is, you know, we've been a staunch ally since the Budapest Memorandum after the fall of the Soviet Union. That was an important agreement between the U.S. and Ukraine for them to give up what amounted to the world's third largest nuclear arsenal at the time. Mm -hmm. In exchange, the U.S., United Kingdom, and ironically Russia agreed that they would defend their territory and political independence. That was very important then, and I think it's important for us to recognize all three of those elements now as to you know what's at stake. Put it to us this way. Why should people listening in the Chicago area pay attention to what's happening there? Sure. I, I think some of it is the uh, United States keeping its promise and the United States uh, working with our allies to push back against Putin's aggression. Uh, we just lived under four years of a president of the United States that – Uh, refused to criticize President Putin, in fact, complimented him, took his word over for Russia's attack on a democratic process over the intelligence community. And, you know, it's clear that if the spring was, what, a dress rehearsal for Putin's aggression against Ukraine, we now have twice as many troops on the border. They're now surrounding them on, on at least three sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to see the coercive use of energy supplies. And, and the Kremlin playbook is in full operation, propaganda, disinformation, cyber attacks. Those don't stop at the water's edge. They have crossed the ocean. They have played a role in cyber attacks, uh, if not with tacit approval against our country, our corporations, and our electoral process. Uh, So it's extremely important that we do what we can to help them at this extraordinary difficult time, you know, if only to help Ukraine build its own capacity to defend itself. Former Army colonel and Ukraine expert Alexander Vindman was on MSNBC's Morning Joe on Wednesday. He talked about how our domestic situation factors into this geopolitical crisis. Let's listen. 
Putin, he's acting on an opportunity, his perceived weakness in the United States. He's looking at the underlying conditions. He's looking at insurrection. If we didn't have an insurrection January 6th this past year, I don't think that Vladimir Putin would see the same kind of opportunities, same kind of weakness. Congressman, do you agree with the colonel's assessment? I think it's part of a larger problem. When President Biden spoke to the Democratic caucus, he told us that Putin and uh, Peng have, uh, from China have both said that they don't think democracies can function at this time. I do think the rest of the world sees January 6th as a major element of extraordinary dysfunction here and uh, polarization. So uh, do they see that as a weakness? I, I think it's quite possible, but not just January 6th. And look, January 6th matters. Uh, it was almost a year ago. And right. uh, I like to say I was in the room where it happened. And frankly, it could happen again. So does Putin see that? Is Putin, boy, are the Russians forever opportunistic since uh, the Suez crisis? They see not just the dysfunction here. They see political change in Western Europe, uh, a new leader in Germany, an election facing France. And frankly, uh, you know, I reference their coercive use of energy supplies. Now that affects our allies and therefore it affects us. What is the expression? Winter is coming. It is literally coming Mm -hmm. from a political point of view. I think Putin sees that as well. Putin saw the collapse of the Soviet Union as, I forgot his exact words, something to the effect of the the greatest calamity that has taken place in the area in history. And I truly believe he sees as him bringing the Soviet Union back where it was. And I think particularly Ukraine, which they have made clear they still see as part of Russia and, you know, probably at least Belarus. And he he sees opportunities. And again, you know, the Russians have always used that and they're clearly doing it now. Unfortunately, the United States is, in his mind, part of that opportunity because of perceived weaknesses within our own system. Let's briefly talk about some other foreign policy news. The U.S. declared a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. This was over a number of human rights issues with China. Why is the U.S. doing this? And and what are your thoughts on that move? You know, I I support the administration's decision to do this. You know, in the House passed some measures yesterday, I think three different bills, sort of addressing the same issues of China's egregious human rights record in their ongoing genocide taking place in Xinjiang. There has to be an appropriate response from the rest of the world. And I think they look at us first. Well, we can't do much about the decision the IOC made when they awarded China with the Olympics, despite this record. So, you know, it's up to us. It's up to Congress. And it's appropriate for the administration to choose not to participate in any attempt by the PRC to whitewash their atrocities against you know, the Uyghurs and other minorities. So it was also the right move to ensure that American athletes who prepared for this competition for years aren't inadvertently punished for the actions of the Chinese government. You've got to thread the needle there to an extent and uh, uh, move forward. There's been a lot of concern about China's actions in the Asian region. Do you share those concerns? Yeah, sure. Uh, I I think that there were a number of things that we could and should have done to address this. Part of it's an issue of engagement, right? Uh, Just as one example, under the Trump administration, they put it as make America great again, but an isolationist attack, uh, not engaging with allies, not engaging in any region, particularly in areas where China is 
uh, filling that void. Uh, I think the United States made a mistake not uh, moving forward with the Obama administration's attempt to engage with trade with the Pacific Rim. Uh, I was traveling the region at the time, uh, and those countries were begging us to engage, to act, to help them act as an economic bulwark against China. Because China, among other things, sees that economic strength as their ability to grow militarily and combine they're becoming an extraordinarily strong force and it gives them disproportionate influence and power over those uh, in the region we're talking about. Congressman, as we know, the Build Back Better bill is still sitting in the U.S. Senate. Uh, here's what Senator Tammy Duckworth said. She was on reset yesterday and we asked her about the chances of the bill passing soon. I think it will pass the Senate. We're buttoning it down this week. It did pass the House. So we're going to take it and work out the details with the one or two senators who still have some concerns. Do you agree with the senator? And will a Senate version of your bill do enough, in your opinion? I uh, don't know what they're going to actually come up with. Uh, I, I share her optimism. Uh, I think my optimism as it relates to the Senate is always, you know, I'm a Cub fan. So that kind of disproportionate optimism maybe blinds me to the reality of the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. People think they can look at it with as a crystal ball when it's really a, a, a bowling ball. But it doesn't do us any good to be pessimistic. We have to move forward. And I think to the point you're making, they're doing a scrub now as it relates to reconciliation. So what part of the bill that we passed in the House will come back to us? You know, we're just not sure. And then it's the, you know, I understand a a tough decision because a lot of what I wanted to have in the original Build Back Better bill is not there. I suspect we may lose other issues. But at what point do you let perfect be the enemy of really good? Now, there's a spectrum there. And at what point do you say to yourselves, well, this will help? Uh, When we just passed infrastructure, I reminded folks that, you know, in that bill, almost any one of the main elements standing alone would have been considered landmark legislation. And I think that's true for Build Back Better. So uh, I'm hoping for the best. I hope. You know, we passed infrastructure, which is largely physical infrastructure. I think this country needs to recognize that building its human infrastructure is equally, if not more important. Uh, so I'll stay optimistic with uh, Ms. Duckworth. I'm curious, what did you want that's not in there? Well, I'm concerned about paid family leave, medical leave issues where the only developed country in the world that doesn't have that. You know, I wanted more issues that address climate change. Because in 30 or 40 years, when they look back at my generation, the thing that we will have done or not done that pleases or angers them the most will be addressing uh, climate change. You know, President Obama said it's the, we're the first generation to feel the real effects of this and the last generation that can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as you know, um, switching gears here, Oxford Township in Michigan, right? they're still healing from that mass school shooting that happened last week. Uh, it took the lives of four students. Tate Meyer, Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana, and Justin Schilling. We heard the usual thoughts and prayers from leaders and and outcries from many circles, but is anything going to get done on gun safety? You know, I I, I think there's part of us that thinks, you know, um, it's appropriate that we give them our thoughts and prayers, but if you've been doing this for as long as I have in D.C., and for 13 years, 
my colleagues across the aisle have done nothing but. So from them, I don't want to hear this. And too often from my colleagues, I'm now seeing Christmas cards that show every member of their family, including their kids, holding weapons. So, um, wow. Well, to give you, my, I mean, I guess the bottom line is to, to think that we are going to get Republican support is probably wildly optimistic because this tragedy in Michigan is just beyond words. But if they didn't do anything after what took place with kindergarten kids getting wiped out during the Obama administration, right? Sandy uh, Hook. I, Sandy Hook. If, they, if that didn't push them to the point where saying, well, at least we need enhanced background checks, um, I don't know what will. And this is a 50-50 Senate. And the fact of the matter is that means you don't have control. So we have passed legislation in the House. We are going to continue to, I think, pass what's responsible. But if you want me to be realistic, I don't know what it would take to change their minds on this. Well, tell me this in the seconds we have left. Prosecutors are charging the parents of the alleged shooter. Should that become more common? I think it's fair and appropriate to look at this and the responsibility of who puts such uh, extraordinarily dangerous weapons uh, in the hands of those in which they have a pretty good idea will act dangerously and recklessly. So if it does nothing more than to wake people up and say, you have to be responsible for this, then I think it's worth it. That's Mike Quigley, congressman of Illinois' 5th District. He serves Chicago's north side and near suburbs. He also co-chairs the Congressional Ukraine Caucus and sits on the House Intelligence Committee. Congressman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's Reset. Chicago has significant Ukrainian and Russian populations. We'll definitely be following this story as it develops. And you can catch more global and national stories that may impact your life by subscribing to this podcast. And please give us a rating. It helps listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.